Hello, my name is Pastor Mark Sturmer with The Church International, and I would just like to say welcome to our podcast. I know God wants to use this to speak something very positive into your life. I know this will encourage you, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And look, if you enjoy this, leave a review, make sure you share it with someone, and go ahead and subscribe so that you won't miss out on any of the messages that God wants to communicate to you. Well, look, God bless, get ready, lean in, and watch what the Lord is about to do. How many of you have enjoyed the series that Pastor Mark has been teaching called Guaranteed Success? It's been amazing. It's been phenomenal. You know, week one, he talked about that success is not out of our reach if our reach is toward God, right? And then week two, he talked about that we, if we choose to walk in the pathway of wisdom and not the pathway of the world, then we can achieve this guaranteed success. And today I'm excited because I believe the Lord has a word for us as we conclude our series with Guaranteed Success Part 3. How many of you, whenever you were growing up, that, you know, you had someone that you looked up to? How many of you? Am I the only one? Quite a few of us, right? I remember growing up that I had a grandfather who was like Superman to me. Like, uh, he was a a manly man, you know, he was an ex-Marine stationed at Okinawa, and I would listen to Papa Thibodeau tell stories for hours and just be amazed. That's right, I said Papa Thibodeau. For those of you, I just want to make a disclaimer. If I talk a little funny or sound a little bit different, my family puts the Cajun in Cajun. Let me go ahead and tell you. How many of you have ever seen the show Swamp People? I'm legit related to quite a few people on that show. And, like, not the ones where you would be like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'm talking about the ones where you would be embarrassed to be like, yeah, that's my cousin. My mom's right here. Am I right, mama? I told her I was going to embarrass her. That comes from her side of the family, not so. But, no, I remember now looking back on it, because I looked at my grandfather and I saw the things, I wanted to walk like he walked. I wanted to talk like he talked. I wanted to do the things that he did. And because of that, I now know that I have some values that were added to my life. And I think it's good for us whenever we see somebody who, you know, we see some good fruit in their lives for us to take some things for their life and create value in our own. And so today I believe that that's what the Lord wants us to do today, that we're going to look into the life of a godly man that we actually see in the Bible. His name is Daniel. How many of you ever heard of Daniel? I love the story of Daniel and who Daniel was. He's so interesting to me because he was not only thrown into a secular culture and was successful in a secular culture, but he influenced it. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of the culture that we live in today, that we live in a very flesh-driven culture, not a very God-centered culture. Am I right? And so I think that we can learn some things from the life of Daniel, in order for us to get that success that he had and influence the worldly culture around us. And the first thing that I want us to learn from the life of Daniel is that the starting point in our life doesn't determine our success. You know, it's, it, it, it's interesting. I never noticed this, but whenever you first open the book of Daniel, the first thing that you see is the nation of Judah has been overtaken by the nation of Babylon. And this king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, announces that he wants to take some noblemen of Judah and take captive back to Babylon. And we see that Daniel is one of these captives. And if this is all I read and you would ask me, I wouldn't say that this looks like the start of someone with a life of success. 
And so we should learn from that, that where you came from or the person who you used to be or some things that you may have done wrong does not determine who you will be. That who you were doesn't matter for who you will be. In Philippians 3, it reads like this. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We need to let go of those things. Those things that may have disqualified us in our past, it's time to forget and it's time to reach forward to the calling that God has on your life. I see so many times, well, you know, this is the, I came from this background or my parents did that to me and I'm not, I'm not discounting all that, but I, what I am saying is that can't stop God from doing a work in your life. And you can say, Joey, well, that's easy. You don't know, you know, where I come from, and I don't. That's true. But the man that you see here today isn't always who I was, I promise you. My, my mom's right here. Can you attest to that? That, you know, I lost my father at a young age, and it led me to a path of really just being angry at the world, angry with myself, led me into a drug addiction, and and everything that comes along with it till I found myself, the only thing that I had to my name was a bad reputation and something to back that up. But then I found someone named Jesus. And now I know that that's not the person who I am anymore. That those things can discount me and the world and the enemy may try to bring those things up, but now I know that I'm the head and not the tail that I'm above and not beneath, that I have been called by Christ, and this is the same calling that you have, that who you were does not matter anymore because you are now a son of a king, a daughter of a king, and we are called to walk in that. You know, and, and, and I understand that sometimes our past is painful, and it is some things that we need to learn from and grow from, but we need to let go. And C.S. Lewis quote says, says it like this. I love this quote. It says, getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. Guys, if you, wanna, if you want this life of success, this is where we start. You have to let go in order to move forward. So church, let's decide today that we aren't going to lay where we come from to determine where we're going. Amen? The second thing that I want us to learn from the life of Daniel is that we must determine in our hearts to live a life that pleases God. You know, after Daniel's being taken as a, a, a captive, King Nebuchadnezzar makes these captives go through a three-year doctrination, really, a false doctrination that they were going to learn the language and the culture of the Babylonians and, and that the king made a decree that they would have to eat this choice, the, the palace's choice food. And, and we know that that would have been a problem for the men of Israel, for Daniel, because that was against the law of Moses at the time. That would have been displeasing to the law of God at that time. And so Daniel makes a decision. It says in verse 8, but Daniel made up his mind. Everyone say made up his mind. That he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. I want you to understand this, that Daniel made up his mind to be pleasing to God, even whenever culture and the, and, and the enemy was trying to push some things on his life. And we'll experience the same thing in this world today. But church, we have to make up our mind that we will be pleasing to God. And, and what's so interesting about this is even though 
it's a hard decision. And, and Daniel was a captive. This was an order from a king. And back in that time, it would have been very normal for him to just get executed. You know, in a natural sense, it's like, hey, why don't you just do what the rest of us are doing and, and just say yes and, and, you know, eat this food. It's probably, it was probably really good, too. I, I know y'all like food. We in Louisiana. But no, Daniel decides to choose obedience, to stand and choose obedience. And what's interesting is that the Lord always responds whenever we do this as a people. I know in an example in my life that he, that any time that I stand up, even in adversity, that the Lord always comes through. And we see this in the life of Daniel. It says in 17, and as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intellect and every kind of literature and expertise. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel. I want you to understand something, that, that Daniel didn't receive all the gifts and the things of God and then use those gifts to be pleasing to God. No, Daniel was pleasing to God, and then the Lord blessed him. And this is what I want us to understand here, that in our life, present obedience determines future success. That now is what you'll receive later. You know, I like to look at it like a, a, I, I'm a physical example. You know, I'm a very simple guy. Y'all know where I come from, my family, okay? It's Thibodeau. I'm a very simple guy. And, and an example that I like to think of it as is like a savings account, right? Most of us in this room have a savings account, you know? And if it, your savings account doesn't look the way that you want it to, then that's okay because you could just start changing some ways that you spend, you know, you could start saying, hey, as a family, we're going to penny pinch. My wife is extremely good at that, by the way. If you need help with that, she can help you save some money. It's ridiculous. It's, I think I was at the kitchen table the other day drinking a, a glass of milk or something, and I knocked it over, and before the milk even hit the ground, she said that that was 57 cents out of my budget. It's ridiculous. I'm just picking. I'm just picking. Y'all going to get me in trouble. Y'all going to get me in trouble. But no, in all seriousness, it, you can't start making some, some better financial decisions and over time see that banking account grow. And it's the same way whenever we choose a life to be in the will of God and the favor of God and to be pleasing to God. Over time, we will look different. Over time, God will give us some blessings, some success, just like he did for Daniel. He said not one was like him. If you want to start looking different and receiving this guaranteed success, we need to start being a people that walks after the heart of God. Amen? Amen. The third thing that I want us to look at is we must live in excellence and work hard in everything we do. You know, Daniel was elevated with King Nebuchadnezzar, and he was being put in a very high spot in government. And we see that, you know, he lives a life with King Nebuchadnezzar, and King Nebuchadnezzar actually eventually dies. And King Nebuchadnezzar's son comes in and takes over Babylon, and we know that he was mocking God. And, and we know from week one, Pastor Mark said God can give success, but he can also take success. And we know that from that story. And so the Lord strips away the kingdom from the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and we see this new character, King Darius of the Persian Empire. King Darius and Persia take over the Babylonians, and they're, and they're setting up this new government, and this is where we pick up 
in verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. Is that how you say that word? 120 satraps over the kingdom to be in charge of the whole nation. And over them, three commissioners of whom Daniel was one, so that these satraps would be accountable to them and that the king would not suffer loss. You know, it's interesting that Daniel went through four different kings and two different nations and yet always seemed to find his way with success. He was like, though anything that he did, the Lord always elevated him to the top. And as I was reading that, I was wondering why that was. And I think the Lord answers that in verse three. It says, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satrap, satraps because an excellent, everyone say excellent, an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole nation. This is what we need to understand, guys, that Daniel wasn't just a man who, who you know, was pleasing to God and, 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 you know, prayed a lot and all these great things. But Daniel was also a man of work. Daniel was a man that did everything in excellence. And I, and, and I want us to understand that that is who we are also called to do. In Proverbs 14, it says, all hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. It doesn't just say all work. It says all hard work. Guys, I don't know if you know this. This isn't just a motivational speech, but we are called by God to be hard workers at what we do. And for some reason, and I've been guilty of this in the past, for some reason, you know, believers can tend to separate our beliefs from the church building and our workplace. But we need to understand that we are called to be hard workers, that we are called to be the same on Sunday as we are on Monday, that we are called to be the best at what we do, to be an example of the world around us, that whenever the people look at us, that they say he is a faithful worker, that our boss calls us. Whenever things need to get done, we get reached out to. And we also need to be in excellence. And Proverbs 10, 4 says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands brings wealth. That definition of that word diligent, diligence there means passion. That we need to be caring about what we're doing. What does that tell us? That means whenever you're going out about your work week and you just do bare minimum, or whenever you're serving in the house of God or whatever you're doing and you do bare minimum, we can't expect God to bless that and give us success from that. That we need to be passionate about what we're doing. That we need to do it with all of our heart. In Colossians 3.23 it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Hmm. You know, and you could say, well, none, nobody around me is, is, is working like that. Or, Joey, you don't know how much I'm getting paid for this. I ain't, I'm not letting them get over on me. Or, you know, you could say I have a really hard boss. You don't know. Sheila came in Monday morning with something on her mind, and I'm not working for Sheila. Does it say, does it say for human masters or does it say for the Lord? Let me ask you something. If you went into work Monday or whenever it is, and you found out that Jesus was your boss, and he was sitting in that office, would you work the same as you've been working now? Come on, I had to throw that one in there. I don't know about you, but I'm fixing to make him coffee. I'm fixing to do his reports. If he's got any problems, I'm fixing to make sure that I'm pleasing to him. Well, this is what the scripture is telling us, guys. That this is who we're working for. And so, guys, whenever we decide that we are going to work unto God and that we're going to do we're going to be passionate whenever we're working. And that it may not be perfect. Excellence doesn't mean perfect, but it does mean what? That we'll do it with all of our heart. 
that we're not going to be a people that make excuses, but we're going to be a people who walk in excellence and make a way. And then God will look down on that and will bless us. So church, who decides that we're going to be, we're going to work a little bit different? That whenever we see our boss, that we're going to see the face of Jesus. Amen? Number four is that we must live a life of conviction over compromise. And so we see Daniel's receiving all this success in his life, and and he's actually about to be put second over the whole nation of Persia. And, And some other rulers were starting to get jealous of Daniel, and they were actually seeking out to sabotage his life. And just real quick, just a tidbit of the message, I just, as you as a person who is sold out, passionately living for the Lord, there's going to be some people that are going to come against you. Whenever you're passionately living in your life, it's going to provoke some passivity in people. That whenever they see you and know that they're not doing what, what you're doing, then they're going to get a little jealous, but that's okay. You don't need to be discouraged in that. You need to be encouraged because, hey... We know that they did the same thing to Jesus. Jesus said they persecuted him, and, that, and you'll also be persecuted. And so we know that we're doing the right thing, and we know that we don't please people, but we're pleasing to God. And so whenever those things happen, that should encourage us. But back to the message. I don't know where that came from. Um, but so they're seeking to sabotage uh, Daniel. And so we see in, in verse 4, it says, Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel regarding governmental affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption because he was trustworthy, and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him regarding the law of his God. I don't know about you, but I want that to look like my life. That even whenever people come and try to find some things against me, that the only thing that they can find is that, oh, well, he obeys the word of God. Daniel was a man of conviction and walked in integrity and in everything that he did. And it, it encourages me and, 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 and actually kind of stretches me, I don't know about you, but to walk a little bit like that. And so these, these governmental leaders, they, they can't find anything against Daniel, so they set a trap. And they go up to the king with the, the rest of the government leaders, and they go up to the king and say, King, you all right. You know that, right? You're really cool. And me and the guys, we've been talking here, and we think that you are so great that you should issue a 30-day law that if anybody worships anything other than you, you should throw them into a lion's den. It's kind of crazy. But the king liked it and, you know, signs this 30-day law and we see Daniel's response to it. It says, now when Daniel learned that the document was signed, he entered his house. And in his roof chambers, he had open windows. He had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and offering praise before his God, just as he had been doing previously. We see that there was no compromise in Daniel. That even in the face of death, Daniel still lived by his convictions. And I wonder how many times do we pray with our our windows closed out of fear of what the world will think of us or the fear of what the enemy will do to us. You know, I wonder how many times do we compromise and allow the enemy to steal the things in our life. You know, what's funny about that is as I read that story, I've always thought of it as the king made the law that this was going to be forever. 
that forever you can only worship me. But whenever we read this story, it's only 30 days. And I don't know about you, but that, that would have been a decision that I would have had to make. That, you know, uh, you, know you, you can't tell me that there wasn't anything talking to Daniel and Daniel saying, well, God, it's only 30 days, you know. I know you don't want me to die. You know, I'll just wait 30 days and I'll talk to you. Daniel was about to be in promotion to be number two in this whole government. He could have told God, God, I'll just, you know, I'll wait for these 30 days because really I'll glorify you more whenever I receive this position. And I wonder if Daniel would have done that, we would have never known the story of Daniel and the lion's den. You know, and I wonder how many times do we allow the world or the enemy to come in and steal the things that, that God is trying to do in our life because we allow the enemy to come in or the world to come in with their thoughts and, and ideals. You know, it's like this. It's, if you went home and, and you went to your house after church today and there's a stranger on your couch with muddy shoes on, uninvited, eating up your food, putting holes in your wall, would you just be like, oh, it's okay. You know, you stay here, and I know I paid for it, but you can have it, you know. I don't know about you, but I'm finna lay hands on somebody in my house. And that could be the Thibodeau blood in me, mama. I don't know, but, but you're fixing to get out of my house. And if we're like that and we have that attitude with our physical house, then why are we allowing the enemy in the world to come into our spiritual house? Why are we allowing the enemy to come in and steal the things of God that he's trying to do for you? We need to be a people that live like Daniel and be a people of conviction. That we know the word of God and that there is no other option. That even if this 30 days, God, I'm going to pray with my windows open. I don't care what the world thinks of me. I don't care what the enemy says to me. I'm going to hold on to the word of God and I'm going to be convicted in it. Do you know the word of God? Do you know your convictions in this wicked culture? Because let me tell you something, church. If you don't know where to draw the line at, the enemy will come in and mess some things up in your house. We have to be a people that come back to the word of God and allow the spirit to convict us. And we need to be a people that boldly pray with our windows open and say, even if they throw me in a lion's den, I will not compromise. We need to be a people that lives in conviction. And my final point, my favorite point, the thing of what does all this even mean is God gives us success so that he may be glorified. We all know the story from Sunday school. Well, I didn't go to Sunday school, but <laughs> the Lord shuts the mouths of lions and, and miraculously saves Daniel. And actually the king kills the people that were trying to kill Daniel and the king sees this miracle of God and makes this proclamation. In verse 26, it says, I issue a decree that in all my realm of my kingdom, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. He rescues, saves, performs signs and miracles in heaven and on earth. He who also rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This proclamation, church, isn't from a prophet. 
It isn't from a man of God. It's from a secular king that came from a secular wicked culture, but yet from the success in the life of this man, Daniel, made this proclamation of who God is. That through his life, he was able to see God and, and, and he saw and, and, and reverenced it so much that he actually issued for his people to know who God was. And you know what's so encouraging is whenever I read the, the life and the story of Daniel, that Daniel really didn't do anything extraordinary in a natural sense. That Daniel didn't split a Red Sea and Daniel didn't, you know, kill a giant with a sling and a stone. That Daniel was just a politician in a secular government. But through the life of, of him, knowing that his purpose was to glorify God and to please God and to work hard and to be a man of conviction through his life, the Lord was able to change the heart of kings and the heart of nations. How much more so if we as a people would take a stand today and realize what God is or who God is and what he's done for us, if we would make this decision, if he could do that through one man, here in this, in this room right here, we are what, as, as a church, our vision is that we are world changers. We can truly change the world and make the name of God famous. And with everyone standing up here, to make us stand that we will be a people that will glorify the name of God. I don't know about you, but God did way too much for me for me not to go turn back and give him glory through it. That God gave everything to me and to you. That Christ came down and, and lived a perfect life. That he died on a cross and rose again for a sinner like me and like you. He gave everything. And so I cannot, I will not, not give him glory for who he is. Because let me tell you something, church. Whenever you understand really who God is, you can't help but glorify him. And you may not be called to kill a giant with a sling and a stone. You may not be called to part a Red Sea, but we are called to shine God's light in this world. That no one else can do it. It's got to be us. And in Matthew 5, 16, it says, Jesus is saying this. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Guys, this is our purpose. This is why we are here. I don't know about you, but if you love the Lord, then it's time to allow, let people see who he is through your life. That we're going to be a people that pray with our windows open. That we're going to be a people that understand that this is the very purpose of why we were even created. And so what I want us to do, that song that we sung, All Hail King Jesus. I want us to show worship in our hearts here today, but it it's not really about the worship that we're doing today. What this is, is I want us to make a proclamation that whenever we leave this church building, that we're going to glorify God in everything that we do. Because he's worthy of it. And we know anyway that every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that he is Lord. And so, hey, they're going to do it anyway. But right now and right here, before we get there, I'm going to shine the light of Jesus in my life so that others can declare all hail King Jesus. Come on.
Father, that is what we declare with our lips and our hearts, God. Father, that you are the Savior of the world. Father, that you are the light of the earth, God. And Father, we will go out of this building and commit to glorify you in our work, to glorify you in our family, to glorify you in our testimony, to glorify you with our whole life because you are worthy, God. That, Father, we want a people that whenever you look down here on us, God, that you see a people that is trying to glorify you and make your name famous on earth. That it's not about the American dream, God, that we don't seek the success, God, for ourselves and to build up our banking accounts, God, and, and to retire. But, Father, we want success. We ask and cry out for this success so that, Lord, we will have the influence to spread your gospel and to make your name famous in this nation and in this world, God. Father, I declare that over everybody here today. That, Father, we will be a people that will worship and glorify you with our life. In Jesus' name. And if you believe it, come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Well, church, let's be a people, and I want you to see you going out and be successful. But we're going to glorify God with it. Am I right? Amen. We'll see you guys next week.